Let's all now turn. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I know I got a lot, but one of them is John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And after you look up the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, if you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word. Good news, I got a lot of scriptures today. Shock, right? But I'll do my best. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him. And without Him, nothing was created that was created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. You know, many like to joke. Many like to joke against God. They like mocking God because they have a blasphemous heart. This happens nowadays. This happens nowadays a lot. This happens an awful, awful lot nowadays, you know. They like to joke against the Lord about God, blaspheming his name. They have a blasphemous heart, a blasphemous mind, a blasphemous attitude. Uh, because their blasphemous personality and their blasphemous spirit. This happens a lot in the world, the lost world. But Christians shouldn't have this. But some Christians do. Some Christians do. It is a fool who says there is no God. It says this in the Bible, which we'll talk about here in a moment. A fool used to mean, long ago, a jokester. Yep, yep, yep. A jokester. But the attitude has changed because Satan has spread this attitude through the world. And sadly, the joke is on them. It's not really funny. And people joke about all the time, hell is nothing to joke about. Damnation is nothing to joke about. I have a saddened heart for those people. When I hear people use the Lord's name in vain, it makes my skin crawl. When I hear even Christians do it, and I have been angry for, and I have fallen for the temptation of other people before in the past, and I'm talking when I was younger, I have fallen for cursing, I have fallen for other things, I have done what the world has done, and God got all over me about it. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for it. But the fact is, when people say there is no God, when they get blasphemous, there is an unfunny punchline at the end of things. An unfunny punchline when people say there is no God. An unfunny punchline is what's going to happen to them in the end of things. And that's the title of today's sermon, The Unfunny Punchline. They think it's a joke, but it's not a joke. The joke is going to be on them, and that's nothing that we should laugh at. If anything, it's something we should pray about every single day for those people who think there is no God. There is a God, and they're going to have to answer for it. But let me take a look at the word blasphemous. Because a lot of times people say that's just a person's opinion. Well, I guess that can be sometimes. Some people some think that something's blasphemous when it isn't. We'll talk about that in a moment. Sometimes people say something's blasphemous when it's not. Other times people use the word blasphemous incorrectly. And sometimes the word blasphemous is not blasphemous to other people's opinion when they're wrong. So let's look at the word blasphemous. And Godly sense, the word blasphemous is uttering or contain, uh, containing or exhibiting blasphemy, irreverent, something irreverent or profane. But let's look at the word blasphemy. It's the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. What do I mean? 
a great disrespect shown to God or something holy. Because that's what it says in the second one. Irreverence towards something considered sacred or holy. People mock the, the uh, church. Breaking into the church is blasphemous. We had someone break into the church at one point that really broke my heart. I wanted to get in the flesh at the time. I wish I'd been here dressed like Batman at the time. I remember I wanted to be there. That would have been something if they had seen that there. Overweight pastor in a Batman mask, which wouldn't have been hard for me. But I've been sitting here flapping at him. That would have been something. But here's the thing. I want to show them how I feel about people who are blasphemous, mocking the name of God. But that's not what God wanted. God wanted to show them, and he will. But we should never be blasphemous, and a lot of people do. For those who say there is no God, the atheists in the world, they're blasphemous by their mere presence. They're blasphemous. And then there's those who are agnostic. What does it mean to be agnostic? Those who have yet to decide whether there's a God or not. Oh, they're atheists, but they're just in, they haven't decided yet whether they're atheists or not. Uh, you are, but you're just in denial. The sad thing is, is there should never be a question. But I can also understand for the atheist, for the agnostic, I can understand. It has to deal with the way they're raised. It has to do, what does the Bible say? Raise up a child in the way he should go and the Indians should not depart from them. It depends on their way they're raised. And it also depends on their personal attitude, their pride. It has both to do with it. It hurts my feelings for them because I love them. I don't want anything bad to happen. No, I'm not going to lie to you. There's some I just don't like. I don't like them because the way they behave, the way they act is hard for me sometimes. When I meet a, an agnostic or, or mostly an atheist who says mockish, horrible things about God, I've met a lot of them. I'd like to get in the flesh. I won't, though. I won't. I won't. I won't because I want them to come to know Christ. And you behaving in a, a manner that is ungodly won't help a thing. But let me read you a few things. One of the reasons why they do this, these things that say horrible things, many of them want to destroy God's name. They want to destroy it in schools. They want to destroy it. You, you who are teachers out there, and there's quite a few of you I see now, Sister Heather and you guys out here now, Sister Gina, I remember your name. And the other ones, I was trying to remember y'all's name. And um, I know this Brother Brian, these people here, you guys have, uh, have a job now out there to preach the Word of God through the way you behave. I know you can't necessarily say uh, as much as you want, but you can by your actions. By your actions, you are known. And you can show Christ through the way you behave. The fact of the matter is, is a lot of these people are attempting to destroy God's name in the school and erase his existence, but they can't. And why do they want to mock him and destroy him? Because they're desperate. They have a desperate attempt for their own comfort so they can feel comfortable, so they won't feel convicted. They want to erase Christ. And who, this is not the first time, and it won't be the last. Satan has been trying this from the get of the go. He tried it in heaven whenever he was known as Lucifer. At least that's what we call him. And they was known, he tried this in the, the Garden of Eden, didn't he? He tried to do this through Adam and through Eve. He's been trying this all this time. But there was once a man by the name of Saul who was a very boisterous and arrogant Jewish man of Judaism. And he wanted to get rid of all of the Christians. But Paul spoke about this. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 18, verse 5 through 7. In Acts 18, 5 through 7, he says this, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul was pressed by the Spirit. Now this is when he's trying to preach to the world of the Jews, and of the Jewish faith, and this is what he says to them. Now he's going around preaching about Christ at this point in time, but this is when Saul became Paul, and he knows what it's like to be pressed against, and he was tired of their blasphemy. But listen to what he says. 
verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul was pressed by the Spirit to testify to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 6, but when they oppressed him and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. You see, when Saul first became Paul, when he first became saved, he had a difficult time. He tried to preach the word of God to the people of his own. He even changed his name because they knew him to be one who wanted the Christians to be killed. And he did some of that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But he tried to preach the truth. They wouldn't let him. But he said, I had enough of you. Now keep this in mind. Saul, who's now known as Paul, hated the Gentiles. He hated them when he was a, a Jewish man. Hated them. Wanted them to die. But this is how God can change everybody. God can change everyone who will allow themselves to be changed. Even these people who think of themselves as atheists. God can change them. And he did with Paul. Listen to what he says in Acts 26, 9 through 11. He was changed by God. God can make anything happen when we have a willing spirit. That's why he has to break us down sometimes, especially those who are prideful. He has to break us down that we're prideful no longer. When we're loud and obnoxious and we won't listen, God has to break us down until we are listening. Listen in Acts 26, 9 through 11, and Paul is speaking to, I believe it's a king, if not a king, at least a governor. He says, I too thought that I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which I indeed did in Jerusalem. I locked up many of the saints in prison by authority from the chief priest, and when they were killed, I cast my vote against them. Verse 11, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. He wanted them to blaspheme. Listen to this. And being extremely enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. But what do we do against the atheists? What do we do against these people like Paul was before he was Paul? We pray for the blasphemous of heart. We're to pray for them. Because what we don't want to do is become blasphemous ourselves. We don't want to be those who do not look Christian. And I know I've done it in the past. Those who do not look Christianly. I know I've done it. I know that we have done it. I know that all have sinned and fallen the glory of God. I know that all of us at one time or another have slipped. Have you ever walked in a store when something's slippery on the floor and they didn't have the sign up or you didn't see the sign and suddenly it looked like you're... Uh, Slipping and sliding, looked, looked as if he was doing a dance move. It's the only time that I can really dance well. <laughs> only time I put Kevin Bacon to it, to shame. But that's the only time. Listen to what it says here. First of all, the Holy Spirit is what helped Paul change. We know what he went through. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 1.13. 1 Timothy 1.13. He says this. I was previously a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man. But I was shown mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I know how we want to be towards those, but we must show mercy. and Not mercy for what they're saying and doing, but pray. Pray for them. Those then there's those who mock God constantly in joke, in song, 
It's a plot in their life. And we see it constantly. I see it in movies all the time in movies and film. You know, I see it in the jokes constantly. I see it on TV. Constant people making fun of God in their word and his speech. The way they talk. The way they mock him. Just a couple days. It might have been yesterday. I don't remember. My days are mixing together throughout this week. That's what I have with the Bible school a lot of times with me. I get, get it all mixed up. But the truth is, I hear mock Jesus' name, God's name. They mix it constantly, saying his name in vain, constantly saying mockish, horrible things. In books, they're trying to teach the young horrible things. They're trying to mix it, confuse it. And this is of the devil. It's of the devil. They want to misteach the young, go against him in politics. They want to go against him in books. They want to teach him incorrectly. We see in politics all the time, they're trying to change things around so that they get it all mixed up. They want to do this. They want to go against God. They want to go against his word. Going against his word is going against God. That's why they want to have lifestyles taught as if it's natural, if it's this way God created them. No, it's not. He speaks against it, but they don't say that. They don't want to do that so that they can teach it as if God made them that way. That's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. You're calling God a liar. You're calling those who know his word a liar. As if you're not supposed to listen to them, as if they're full of hate. They're not full of hate. Telling somebody what they're doing is against God and doing it in love, by the way. Doing it in love, not in hate. Doing it in love. By the way, doing something in love is not telling them what they're doing is right. Doing something in love is doing saying, careful, careful. How many times we've seen parents back in the day, child, please don't put that fork near the outlet. You'll hurt yourself. Child, please don't climb up there. You could fall and hurt yourself. I actually, when, back in the day I worked at a daycare center, there was actually a mom who yelled at one of the teachers, tried to get them fired and in trouble because one of the teachers told the kid not to climb on top of the books and jump out the window. She said, why would you do that to him? He was just, he was just enjoying himself. Oh, you don't want me to stop your kid from breaking his neck? Oh, I'm so sorry. Here's the thing. That's not being hateful. That's not being cruel. It's not being mean. You're trying to help the child to stay alive. And when you are trying through love to stop a, a, one of these ignorant people in the world from jumping and killing themselves and going to hell, that's not because you hate them. It's because you love them. Come on now. Come on. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all churches of the saints, and I say this a lot, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Why? Because people are trying to confuse God all the time. And I'm talking about the people of God. Always trying to bring confusion. Always trying to bring confusion. If you hear God's word being spoken and you get confused, it's not being used of God. And I'm talking about homosexual lifestyle. I'm talking about this transgender nonsense. I'm talking about when Satan is coming in and switching the words around like he did with Adam and Eve. It's not being used of God. It's being used of someone else and we know who it is. By the way, the third commandment, Exodus 20 verse 7, the third commandment is not to take the Lord's name in vain. And what does it mean to do something vain? It means to do it to no avail. In other words, to do it useless. To misuse it. To do it in cursing. To do it mocking. To do it insulting. There's a lot of people who insult God's name every day. They insult his intelligence even. And they insult yours, Christian. They insult it. 
One of the things that people love to do is to make jokes at God's expense. You've heard it all the time. How many times have you heard God? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many times have you heard people mock God, make fun of him, say something insulting about Jesus? And then they say, oh, what's the matter? Doesn't God have a sense of humor? Doesn't he understand I'm joking? I thought he was unknowing. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. And they say all this if it sounds like I'm being facetious, because I am. I'm mocking them for mocking God. It's hard for me not to get angry. God says be angry and sin. Now, it's not a sin for you to be angry. It's what you do with it or don't do with it. And so I do get angry at them because I love Jesus Christ. He's my best friend, my Savior, my Lord. Don't you mock my Lord and Savior. You save my eternal life and my physical life more and more and more. As my best friend helps me get up every morning, has helped me through the hardest times of my life. And when the ones I thought loved me said they didn't love me, Christ said, yes, that's right, but I still do. Get up. Don't worry about it. Get thee behind me, Satan. You keep moving forward. And that's what I do. Because he's my Lord and Savior. Don't you mock him. Don't you mock him. Not in front of me. Don't do it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Stop thy ears. Get thee behind me. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He's to be respected. People say, doesn't he have a sense of humor? No, no, no. Some things are too precious, too holy to mock. When people weren't listening to God, I'm talking about the days of Exodus, when the days when people were supposed to be holding the Ark of the Covenant, and they dropped it, they would die right away. Why? Oh, God's so mean. No, he's not mean. You're, some things are so precious, you're supposed to take it and mean it. Be careful. Be careful what you're supposed to do. It's not because God's a big meanie. It's because you was being a, a doofus. You was being careless with God's greatness. It's funny how we don't lose the things that mean something to us. Have you lost your wedding ring? Have you lost the precious thing? Oh, I have my very favorite movie. Where's that? Oh, I have it. It's right in the middle of the room and it's got everything around. Oh, what about your favorite book? Oh, it's right there. It's my favorite thing on top. Of it. Oh, what about your favorite plate or whatever it is? You know, every woman has her favorite thing. Every man has a favorite thing. I collect all sorts of things, toys and everything. I collect some of my favorite things from when I was a child. I still have them all, and I collect things all the time. My mom collects things. We all collect it. You know why? It's not wrong to collect and enjoy things, but it's funny how some people have their precious things. There, there's, there's baseball card collectors. That's fine. Oh, I have Mickey Mantle, and he's my favorite. That's great. But it's funny how we treat those things, right? But yet we treat God like trash. We're not to do that, folks. Don't blaspheme his name. Treat it precious, because he is precious. Nothing's more precious than God. And there's many new ways of God being taught. And folks, that's blasphemous too. Don't misteach the Lord. There's many modern churches, and I'm not talking about the buildings. Nothing wrong with having new buildings, beautiful churches, beautiful buildings. But it's what's inside that counts. It's what's inside. You can have a beautiful building on the outside, it may not be old-fashioned with a steeple, though I like the steeples. And I like that cross on top because what's on the outside represents what's on the inside. What's on the inside represents what's on the outside. And if, if you're too ashamed to show what's, on, what's uh, being taught on the inside, there's something being said. If you're too ashamed to show that it's all about Christ, it's all about him, it's all about Jesus, you better check what's on the inside of your heart. Hmm. Hmm. So there's a lot of modern churches that go against God and his word because they want to change his word, go against the word. They want to change it to fit them. 
I've talked before about the prosperity churches. They want to be all about the money, all about the cash, all about the coin. And then there's the progressive churches. The progressive churches, all about what's new, the new lifestyles, and it makes it feel good. This is blasphemy. It's not all that different than the false religions and many, many other things. They're more like the Pharisees than not. They're more like the Pharisees going with what, how they feel than about the Lord Christ because the Pharisees hated Jesus. They hated him with all their heart and soul. We'll get into that in a moment. Let's listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3. When he talks about the false prophets and the teachers. And second, and he knew, he knew him personally. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Listen to verse 2 here. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Their judgment made long ago does not linger, and their destruction does not slumber. But listen, there is no other God but Jesus Christ. There is no other God. Many look for other ways to heaven, but there's not. And there's too many Christians right now, too many Christians who blaspheme the Lord God by tickling the ears of these people who are looking for other ways. I understand we want to be loving. I understand we want to be loving to the other people, and you do. You want to be loving to them. You don't want to be cruel and hurtful, but you also don't want to give fake love. You don't want to give fake love to people by tickling their ears and making them feel good in the fake love they live in. For instance, I've met many people in false religions and things who think they're going to go to heaven by giving a certain amount of money to a certain religion or whatever else. I'm going to heaven because I've given to whatever, the boys' choir or whatever, and they've given to that, they've given money to that, so they think they're going to heaven by something they have done. And by our actions, we are not saved. We're not saved by our actions. So by fake love, we're sending people to hell. Don't send someone to hell by your fake love. Be honest with them. I know that sounds very cruel. No. No, no, no. It's more cruel to fake love them. I would rather be boldly honest than cowardly love them. That's the truth. Exodus 20, verse 3. Exodus 20, verse 3 is the very first, very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Now, some say there is no other God, and they're right. Yet people place things in place of God all the time. I talk about it all the time. Entertainment. And I know because I've had to be careful and place myself correctly, balance myself. They place love in front of God. Love of people. You can love others. It's great. Great. You should love others. But not before the Lord God. Not your family. Not your spouse. Not lifestyles. And definitely not habits. And I've had to be careful of that. Don't do it. And no small g-gods, as they had in the past, these things were made of man, many false gods. And by the way, they were taken over by demonic power, if any at all. And it was, what are they? What are all these things? Distractions. Distractions used from the devil. Let's now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Because this is where you're going to hear about gods and false gods and many other gods. Let's now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to read 35 through 40. 
And I got a lot to go with this. I'll try not to go over, but let's be honest, it may happen. So, so I'll try not to. Let's, let's read Deuteronomy 35 through 40. Deuteronomy, excuse me, let me read that right. Deuteronomy 4, 35 through 40. To you it was shown so that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no one else besides him. Out of heaven, he let you hear his voice so that he might instruct you and on earth, this is Moses speaking, and on earth he showed you his great fire. This is when he's bringing down the commandments he's talking about. He showed you his, in Exodus chapter 20, we just quoted from. He showed you his great fire and you heard his words out because he loved your fathers. Therefore, he chose their descendants after them and personally brought you out of Egypt with his mighty power to drive out nations from before you greater and mightier than you are, to bring you in, to give you their, uh, their land for an inheritance as it is today. Now, therefore, today, and excuse me, know therefore today and consider it in your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I will, excuse me, which I command you this day so that it may go well with you and with your children after you and so that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God gives you forever. Now moving on from that, oh boy, from Deuteronomy alone, remember this is Moses speaking to the people, the children of their, their parents who he took out of Egypt and he took the children too, but he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Wait a minute, what about the, the, uh, what about the, the Trinity? Oh, they're all God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They're all one God. They're just one. None of these other fake things. You want to say in Deuteronomy 32, 39. You can write this down. Deuteronomy 32, 39. See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. What do you mean God kills? Well, he killed the enemies that were going against them. Those who are trying to trap them is what he means. He goes, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. But now wait till we get to Isaiah. Oh, turn to Isaiah. Oh, there's a lot in Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 10 through 11. Isaiah 43, 10, 11. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Here's another one for you. You're going to love Isaiah. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, besides me there is no God. Isaiah 45, verse 5. I know it's a lot of Isaiah, but these are important to write down so you can have them later. Isaiah 45, verse 5. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I strengthen you, though you have not known me. What does it mean you have not known me? He's talking about those who weren't following him at the time. This is why through Isaiah, he's given them all these messages that the land is about to go in the hands of others because you've not been following me. Folks, he's saying this even now to those who blaspheme against them. You're not following me, America. You're not following me, all these other lands. You're not following me, China. 
you're not following many, many other people in other lands, even though many lands that are following him, there's many people in those lands that aren't following. But we Christians can follow, and many Christians aren't following like they should, but we can follow with our hearts, not to blaspheme. Isaiah 46 verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. And there are others. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. But for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Praise the Lord God. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. There are so many others. I am going to try to mention these last couple on this place because I hate to keep these from you. There's so many verses about there being one God. I'm not even going to name them all. There's just so many. But it says in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah, Christians. Hallelujah. First Timothy 2.5. First Timothy 2.5. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. People are looking for other ways, but they look amiss. There's no way. No other way but through Christ alone. And we would be blasphemous to say otherwise. We would be blasphemous to let other people believe there's something. That, but we don't want to hurt their feelings, folks. It'd be far worse to make them believe a lie. Don't blaspheme the name of Christ. It says in 1 Timothy 1.17, Now to the eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible king, the only wise God. I thought you said there's only one God. Yeah, but he's talking about all those false gods out there. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever. Amen. There's even more, but I'm not going to go into them all. Many said that Jesus was blasphemous, believe it or not. Many said that Jesus was blasphemous. I'm not going to read all of them to you. I could. I got them all written down here, but I don't have time, honestly. The scribes and Pharisees began to question, Who is he who speaks blasphemies, they would say? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They said in Mark 14, 64, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all con uh, condemned him as quality un or guilty unto death. They actually thought that, well, that was me. <laughs> they all thought that Jesus was blasphemous and they wanted him to die for it. And that's why he died. He died for being blasphemous in their mind. Just because someone thinks you're blasphemous and they might because you talk about Jesus doesn't mean you are. I won't get into all of it, but in Matthew chapter 9, they talk about it. In Matthew 16, they talk about blasphemies, claiming that Jesus is blasphemous because he healed the sick. Healed the sick or healed on the Sabbath. They would call him blasphemous. And finally, that is exactly, listen to this. What finally happens in Matthew 26, verse 65, when they're asking him about being the son of God, this is what they say to him. When he finally says that he is the son of God, here he says, you said it. Finally, the high priest, this was Matthew 26, verse 65, the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has uttered blasphemy. 
What further need do we have for witnesses? See, now you have heard his blasphemy. Because of his quote-unquote blasphemy, they hung him on the cross. And Jesus Christ died for you and for me. So just because someone says something blasphemous doesn't mean it is. But you know Christ. So you know when you know blasphemy. Some people will try to hear blasphemy when there is none. But you know the difference. Let's be careful that we aren't guilty of blasphemy ourselves by what we say, by what we do, by what we watch. Because when you're around something, or what we read or what we hear, because when you're around something, you start becoming like that. But we've got to be very careful. Very careful. But I want to talk about something real quick before we go today. What about the unforgivable sin? What about the unforgivable sin? So many people ask about it. I'm not going to have an entire sermon about it. But we talk about blasphemy. The unforgivable sin is spoken about being blasphemy. Well, what is it? In Matthew 12, 31, also in Mark 3, 29, and Luke 12, 10, it all talks about one thing, a blasphemy, which is blaspheming in the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that even mean? And I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. It's talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Let's read that, Matthew 12, 31. Therefore, I say to you, all kinds of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Well, this is a question so many people have. So we saw that Paul was forgiven the blasphemy that he gave to God and the blasphemies he had against Jesus Christ, because Jesus is God, but not the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Well, isn't the Holy Spirit God too? Yes. So what does that mean? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that reached out to you one day and said, you need Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is the Holy Spirit that reached out to me when I was seven years old. It's the Holy Spirit that's reaching out right now to someone at home who's watching. Talking to you. It's the Holy Spirit who's reaching out to somebody from another church right now, too. It's the Holy Spirit that's telling them, come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling through the Holy Spirit. And the fact of the matter is, they need to come home through the Holy Spirit is calling them. But when they blaspheme it by saying, no, no, I don't need you. I don't want you. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is by saying no to salvation. That's what it is. That's what it means. Saying no to salvation. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is calling you home, you guys already said yes. But another thing we need not to do is blaspheme the Holy Spirit in another way. When the Holy Spirit is telling us and showing us and directing us of what we're doing wrong, listen to it. Listen to it. Don't say, ah, yeah, but I don't need to hear you right now. Now, this is not quite the same. But it's still a gift from God. Ah, no, no, no. Listen, say, you're right. I know I shouldn't have said that. You're right. I know I shouldn't have thought that way. I know I shouldn't have watched that. I know I shouldn't have been looking at that. I know I shouldn't have been thinking that way. I know I shouldn't have given in 
to this temptation. You're right, Lord. Thank you. And yes, it's okay to call Jesus Lord. Yes, it's okay to call Holy Spirit Lord because they're all one. All, as the world would say, inclusive. <laughs> they're all in one. They're all in one. The Unfunny Punchline is the title of today's sermon. The Unfunny Punchline is that without Jesus Christ, they're not going to heaven. The Unfunny Punchline is the fool says there is no God in their heart. The Unfunny Punchline is that so many people mock God every day single day the unfunny punchline as it says in psalm i can't remember where i put that but it's on here they say there is no god there's a fool who says there is no god but there is a god there is a god and only a fool believes otherwise only a fool believes otherwise there is a god and he loves you fool he loves you don't remain a fool. You can know him today. You know what it says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23? And this is for all the foolish Christians and other people who believe they know God and they don't. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice evil. What a heartbreaking thing for many people today who believe they're on their way to heaven, and they're not. They blaspheme his name every day. Are the Christians who blaspheme his name and joke. We can't do that anymore. Don't blaspheme his name. Don't tell jokes at the expense of God's name. Especially you Christians who are supposed to be a representation of the name of Christ. Don't be blaspheming his name. When you hear someone say, well, a priest, a pastor, and a... Stop. Stop it right away. You don't want to mock the name of Christ. And by the way, when you mock the representation of Christ's name, that's mocking Christ's name too. When you're mocking the church you go by, you're mocking him too. Stop doing that. Stop watching things that are mocking his name. Get upset. It's okay to be angry. Just don't sin with the anger. It says in John 4, 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That's John 4, 24. We must worship him with spirit and truth. Let us not get involved with the spirit of blasphemy as this world has been prone to do. And they've been doing it for so long since the beginning along with Satan, blaspheming in the name of God, changing his word around, changing the meaning of things, changing things to fit them. Let's not blaspheme him. Let's build him up. Let's not curse with his name. Let's not curse his name. Let's build him up. Praise him. He's so glorious and I love him. And I will close today with John 17, 3. John 17, 3. 
it says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And remember, this is Jesus speaking to his father as he's praying to him after the Last Supper. He's speaking to him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Praise the Lord. As we go out this week, remember that God has placed you in this world, not to be of the world, but to be in it. He has placed you here to speak to the parents, to the children. Just like he was throughout this Bible school week. He placed you here to speak to the people at the store that you go to, to speak to the people in the street. When people anger you and you're in traffic and you may want to honk your horn and all that, no, no, no. Be kind, be civil, be sweet. Don't say the things you want to say. Do the things you need to say through Christ. Pray, continuously pray. Let's be careful not to show blasphemy to the name of Christ, but to show love and compassion, kindness. Pastor, it's so hard to do. I know, I'm the same way. But we need to always build up his name, not blaspheme his name. And let's continue to pray for that. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, from the bottom of our heart, Lord, we apologize for any time that we have blasphemed your name, that we have not built your name up, and that we have not, Lord God, represented you with promise, that we have not represented you, Lord God, with kindness to the people around us. Lord God, that we have not been the greatest example to those around us. 